Aaron. Uh, you walked in into the, the, the kicking off of a new series entitled In God We Trust. So for the next four weeks, we're going to be talking about money. And you say, well, dang, Pastor, we take, we got to take four weeks to talk about money? We probably need eight weeks. We just condensed it to four. So, um, so but yeah, so you walked into a series on money. And, and, and I, I just got to say this. If the last church you went to talked about money and then this church talked about money, I promise we, we talk about other things besides money. <clears throat> we do. We really do. Uh, but I'm not going to apologize for this message because uh, it's something that's important. It's something that we all need. And so um, God has proven to me time and time again himself in and through money. God is, I've seen God's hand work in my life through money. I was a business owner. I've seen Thursday afternoons when we didn't have enough money to pay our employees. And my partner and I, my business partner and I, we sat down and we prayed. And by Friday afternoon, when it was time to disperse checks, we had exactly how much we needed to pay all of the payroll. I've seen God move in money. I've seen in my own personal finances when Cheryl and I decided to step out and she quit working. We felt like it was her calling to stay home and raise the kids. And our income was cut in half and the first month comes around and we're short. And we get a reimbursement check from a place we wasn't supposed to get it. And it was for exactly what we needed to pay our bills. And so I've seen God work in money. I've seen God work through money. I'm not here preaching a prosperity message this morning because I believe if you're in a healthy relationship with Jesus, you're going to prosper no matter what. Amen. Your soul should prosper. Your relationships should prosper. It's not just about your bank account, right? So today we're, we're, we're talking about in God we trust and the title of today's message is Beyond the Numbers. And I'm going to tell you why we entitled it that in a little while. But I want to give you a verse. Before I give you that verse, I want to give you the reason why we're doing this message and we're doing this series is because I'm not trying to get any more out of you than you're willing to give. This isn't some kind of hyped up thing to get the church to give more. I already belong to a generous church. When I said that a little while ago about tithes and offerings, that was the honest truth. This is a very generous church. Last week, we had only 85 people here, but our offering was better than anybody else's. I belong to a generous church, and I believe that all of us in this building want to be generous, and I think we're generous to the degree that we can be generous, but I believe those of you that are here and you're not generous, you're not generous not because you're stingy or you're greedy, it's because you're strapped. You see, I'm not mad at you, and I'm not, I'm not upset with you, and I'm not talking in a pastor's meetings about, oh, man, they, they go buy this, but they can't tithe, and they can do this, but they can't do that. Them stingy people. I'm not saying those things. Because I realize that you're not stingy. I know you well enough to know you're not stingy and you're not greedy. You're strapped. You're overextended. You want to be generous and you want to give more and you want to do more with this thing that's inside of you, this thing that God's giving you, this calling. You want to resource it and you want to do more, but you've got some problems. I knew this wasn't going to be a shout me down kind of message. So just say amen every now and then and I'll try to finish up in an hour, okay? If you don't say amen, I'm going long. Thank you. I just took five minutes off. So the reason we did this is not because we believe you're greedy or you're selfish. We're doing this because we believe that some of our people are strapped. And we want to help you get unstrapped. Is that okay? Is that okay if we do that, if we help you get unstrapped, if maybe you're strapped financially? So let let me bring you to a verse in 1 Timothy chapter 6. It says this, but people who long to be rich fall into temptation. Who? People who long to be rich. They fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. I can tell you that that verse is true because I've got several friends that that decided to chase money and in their pursuit of money lost their relationship with God. Whereas in one moment, I see them coming to the church unsaved, the whole family unsaved, and they get saved and they get filled with the life of God. And then a financial thing happens and they feel the need to go chase this dollar, to go chase this thing and do this thing. And before you know it, they're gone. And you go, man, it was all over 
the love of money. You see, money's not evil. Say that. Let me say money's not evil. Some people confuse that verse. Oh, yeah, that, that money, that money's evil. Well, you keep believing the money's evil. I believe money's a tool. And I'm going to keep collecting them tools to do the work that God has for me to do, right? I ain't afraid of money. Money better be afraid of me. Right? Some people have wondered from it and brought sorrow on themselves. Unfortunately, I think we live in a society. I know I, I grew up in a, a place. I remember my mom trying to teach me how to balance a checkbook. But honestly, I was wise enough to know that she was living on plastic anyway, so it didn't matter if I balanced the checkbook. Can I just be honest with you? That's how I was raised on plastic. God's been doing plastic surgery in my life ever since. It's about time for a plastectomy. And... Um, <clears throat> It's getting warm in here. <laughs> so some of you came in here this morning pierced by life. Some of you came in here with financial struggles. Some of you came in here not knowing what was going to happen. And so <laughs> welcome to church. So this series is going to be encouraging and it's going to be practical. And, and we, could, we could either go one way or the other. We could be totally inspirational and get at your heart and just pound on your heart. Or we could be totally practical and give you uh, 16 steps to financial freedom and, and give you the list and send you home and do your homework, okay? We could be that way, but we want to be both, okay? I, I've been able to lead a life group with two different um, financial curriculums. One was Crown Financial Ministries. I did that one last year. And, and right now, I'm presently leading a life group uh, called Financial Peace University. It's the Dave Ramsey's program. And, and the two are totally different. Crown Financial was all heart. They, they threw more scripture at you than if somebody would have hit you with the Bible. I mean, it just it was all heart. And, and Financial Peace University is all practical. I mean, some people don't listen to Financial Peace University because he don't use enough scriptures. I'm not going to say what I think about that. But it's, it's all practical. And so I've been on both sides of that. And so my point today is, is to get you right in the middle. Is that Okay. I want you to heart to be in the right place. Luke chapter 12, verse 34 says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure, if you ever want to know where your heart is, just follow your treasure. <laughs> look at, your, look at your, your checkbook. Your heart's probably at Walmart. <laughs> for real. <laughs> Seriously, we look at the checkbook, it's like, Walmart again? <laughs> Can we not get away from Walmart? Did you know that the Bible talks five times more about money than it does prayer? Did you know that? Five times more about money than prayer. You see, there's something about money, and God knows what that something is. But there's something about us and money that God likes to get in the middle of. <laughs> and boy, God will teach you something with money. And God will show you his power with money. And God will do incredible things with money. And the whole time you're learning more and more and more about God. I believe this is that, is that we're, I'm a part of a church that, that, wants to, that wants to please God, that wants to be generous, that wants to be sacrificial. And I believe that if we love God, we need to, we need to put our stuff in his direction. Are you with me? If you love God and you want to bless God and you want to please God in certain areas, then you need to, you need to aim your life towards God and, and in the direction that he's going, not your own direction. You see, I've been doing it in my own way too long, right? Some of you can say that. So let me give you financial uh, principles that would come from a financial planner. If you went to a financial planner and he would sit down, most of them would give you five principles, actually four, the, the fifth one they, they really don't like to talk about. But most financial planners would tell you this. The first principle is earning. You need to earn money. If you don't earn money, you have nothing to manage. You don't like managing money, quit making it. And tell me how that works for you. <laughs> you got to be able to earn money. Then you'll have something to manage and something to send in the right way. If you're young, boy, this one gets me. If you're young, and I'm calling young 25, if you're 25 and you don't have a job and you're playing Nintendo 
And you're getting money from your mama? Preach, preach. Somebody say preach, preach it. You need to sell your Nintendo, take that little bit of money or trade it in on a bicycle and carry your tail down to the McDonald's or something and go get yourself a job. I'm glad y'all backing me up on this one. It could have left me hanging. I see too many young men wandering around. They got big old swole up thumbs from texting and playing Nintendo. I'm like, what the heck are you doing? My grandma kicked me out the house. I tried to play Nintendo. I couldn't even get hooked to it. She kicked me out the house. Bought a sunshine and get your tail outside. 16 years old, I was earning $2 a day. Get a job. And don't tell me you can't get a job. I've never been without a job. I'm not going one day without a job. I didn't realize this was going to affect me like this. Passionate about it. More passionate than I thought I was. Your mom and daddy's trying to make it and you still mooching off of them and you're 25 years old. Get a stinking job. You know what's crazy is in Financial Peace University, they showed a diagram where this guy named, I'll just throw his name out, Billy. I'll use his name today. Billy started saving money at the age of 18. Started putting so much money aside every month at the age of 18. Was it 13 months or 13 years later, he quit. And that money kept producing interest, compound interest. Well, his brother realized what his other brother was doing and started when he was more like 20-something. 25. So his brother had to keep putting that same amount of money for the rest of his life until he was 60 something. The one brother that started early had three times as much as his other brother who kept putting money in. Start early. (laughs) Start now. Get a job. Put some pennies in the bank. Something. Start now. I saw something on the news this week. There was an, uh, an older black gentleman. I don't remember if he was from maybe North Louisiana. But at the age of 25, I believe it was, he started picking up pennies. You know, you who throw pennies on the ground. That burns me up too. But you keep throwing them because me and my kids is picking them up. At 25, he started picking up pennies that people were throwing on the ground, saving his pennies. And he started filling up these, these water jugs, you know, the Kitwood jugs. He just cashed them in at 65 years old, $5,500. And I dare one of y'all say, that's it? Man, yeah, that's a lot of pennies. <laughs> a whole lot of opinion. So the, one of the principles you have to have is earning. And I'm telling you, you need to start now. If you're young, go get a job and start now. You'll thank me later. You might not like me now, but you'll thank me later. Sell your Nintendo. The second principle financial planners would give you is spending. Do you know that more than 90% of Americans don't even have a budget? You know what that tells me? That 90% of Americans, their money tells them what to do instead of them telling, what the, telling their money what to do. Because if you don't have a budget, I, how do you know, Pastor? Because I've lived without a budget before. When you don't have a budget, your money tells you what you can and can't do. When you have a budget, you tell your money, before it even gets to say anything, you tell your money where to go. Right? 90% of Americans don't even budget their money. That's why we do Financial Peace University life groups. That's why the, the seven families that are going through it right now, where's my, where's my life group at? Come on, can I hear a little noise? You having fun? Come, you represent Megan? There you go. I encourage you to go through it. We're going to continue to do them, and it's just, it's just something that we need. Amen? My wife and I have lived on a budget for a little while, but right now we're revamping everything. I got plans for the kids. I had something the other day backfired on me. I came home. I told Virginia, I said, hey, we are one of those meetings. So, hey, let me tell you something. You're going to want a car one day, right? Yes, sir. I said, well, whatever you save, I'll match it. 
She goes, really? I was like, uh-oh. She said, really, you're matching? She was thinking she's had to pay for a car herself. I was like, dang, I wish somebody would have told me. Backfired on me. Could have went 25%. Something. She's like, really, daddy, you'll pay half? So the third principle financial planners would tell you would be savings. You need to save. Proverbs 21.20 says, The wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. Whew. They spend it all. Let me give you a little interesting statistic. The average American spends 136% of their income. Now, I'm not the brightest fellow in the room. I came from Franklin, Louisiana, and I wore white, white rubber boots, and we fished and cut sugar cane. But if you're spending 136% of your income, I, it just sounds like you're going in the hole fast, like at a rate of 36%. Thank you. You don't need to spend it all. Let me give you a little free tip from Financial Peace University. A little five, they, got, they got the seven, is it the seven baby steps that they give us? The, seven baby, the first baby step is to put $1,000 of emergency money away in cash. You need to have $1,000 in cash sitting there ready for some old shoot days. You know, that's in days that the car breaks down and the AC goes out and all those things. You need $1,000 in emergency money. The second step you need to do is you need to, you need to pay off all your debt. In other words, quit accumulating debt and start paying it off. Use the snowball effect he talks about. He said you take the, 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 the debt with the highest percent of interest and you pay it off first. And then as soon as you pay that off, you take the payment you were paying towards that and you apply it to the second highest interest rate. And, you, and then you, so you, you see what I'm saying? It makes a snowball. And before you know it, you get rid of your debt. Okay, so that's baby step number two. Baby step number three is you need to have three to six months of income put aside in a money market account that you can get to in case you lose your job. You look overwhelmed. <laughs> and then the fourth step is, is to start investing. And then he goes into paying your house off early. Then he goes into other things and giving. And so you see how it works? Did, did anybody ever tell you that? $1,000 in savings? I can't touch it? Mm. You don't need to spend all you have. If you are, you got a hole in the boat and you need to plug it. The fourth principle they would talk to you about is investing. You're not working for your money, but your money's working for you. You know, the average car payment is $484. If you decided to, to not buy that new car, I say average car payment is $484. If you decided not to buy that car and keep riding that car that there's nothing wrong with, and you save that money till you're 65, you want to know how much money you'll have? $5 million. Now, see, all you older people are feeling what I'm feeling. I wish somebody had told me this when I was younger. Right? I go through financial peace. Everybody else is having fun because mostly everybody else is younger than me. They're having fun. They got hope. I'm going, dang, I just got regret. Can I just be honest? I'm living in regret. I fake it. I'm like, this is great. Mad at my mama all over again. Pray for me. The fifth principle they would talk about is giving if you could get them to talk about it. Here's another statistic. The average American only gives 3%. The average Christian, gets this, gives 3.8%. So let me go to our key verse for the series, Haggai chapter 1, verse 5 to 7. Yeah, Haggai is in the Bible. Haggai chapter 1. Watch what this is. Cool verse. It says, now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but have harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you're not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. 
This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Could it be that God's ways are higher than our ways? Could it be that we need to submit our ways to God's ways? Could it be that if we would submit our ways to God's ways, we would see God's ways come to pass in our life? Amen. All of his promises and, and all those things would come to pass. First Corinthians chapter one says this, that where where's the wise man? Where's the scholar? Where's the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? So let's talk about beyond the numbers. I believe in the numbers. I believe in the whole practical side of this whole thing. I believe that if you if you start creating a budget and you'll start living within your means and you'll make a plan to get out of debt, I believe it's all going to come to pass. I believe we can all have financial peace one day. I believe that. I believe the numbers work. I believe in them 100%. But there's something I want to talk to you about today that goes beyond the numbers. Because you can have all the numbers right and still miss what God wants to do. Right? You can have all the numbers right but still be wrong. The world says to earn money no matter what it costs and no matter where it takes you. But Scripture doesn't say that. Scripture does not say that. We're going to talk about some lost things in the next couple of points. The first one, we're going to talk about the first principle of earning. Earning, it's, it's your calling versus your compensation. If you're following in your notes, that's your first blank. It's your calling Versus your compensation. Most of us took the job that we're currently in because of compensation. Because it was the best package. Because it, it gave me the most bang for my buck. I got the most money for my time. You were compensation driven when you took the job that you're, te- that, that, that you're currently in. Most of us, I believe, are like that. Few of us, I believe, are doing what we call our calling. You're working or taking a job that you feel called to. Are you hearing me? Something you're called to. Something that brings satisfaction. Something that brings a little bit of fulfillment. Something that you're good at. Something that you're pleased to get up and go to work with. That's a good indicator. I heard a story the other day of this guy who for 30 or 40 years worked this job that he hated. He hated his job. But it was a good job. It was a job that brought in a good paycheck. And that's what we say as Americans. Yeah, but that's a good job. Yeah, it is a good job for somebody who's called to that job. But that may not be a good job for you. See, we don't think that way. It's your calling versus your compensation. You've heard people say that if you, if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. If that's true, my daddy was meant to be a junk man. I'm serious. My dad was a high school principal for 30 years. He liked it. He's a picker now, like the American pickers. He bought a van and everything. He travels all over picking stuff. I call him a junk man. So, but he's having fun. He's having a blast. When I call him, all he talks about is what he just picked. And then he slips in, oh, how are the kids doing? Well, now that we're finished picking, the kids are doing good. But it's what he loves. It's what he talks about. It's what he thinks about when he goes to bed at night. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's his call. It's something he's called to. He likes to take things that are broken and fix them. He's not even really worried about the money. You see, we don't need money to live on. We need something to live for. We all need something to live for. You need to focus your life on what what you can live for. Acts 20, verse 24 says this, However, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. That's what Paul said. This life's worth nothing if I don't finish what I'm called to. You see, he, he, <laughs> the thing I love about the, my older friends is that the, they got out of the Joneses race. They quit the Joneses. You know what that means? They quit trying to keep up with the Joneses. I mean, sooner or later, you got to realize you're not going to catch them. Right? Sooner or later, you got to realize somebody's going to always have more money than you.
It's your calling. It's what you're called to. Paul's thing was, I want to just do what God wants me to do. I want to finish what he's called me to do. Because there's a life coming after this one. You see, if you're focused on this life and not the next life, you'll stay involved in this life, and your focus will be this life. And you'll never get to see the next life or focus on the next life. Paul had heavenly, his mind was in the heavenlies. He was thinking about his heavenly reward. He was thinking about the day he was going to go up and see Jesus. He was thinking about the day he was going to walk through the gates, if you want to say it that way. He was thinking about the day of his arrival. And he was constantly sending stuff ahead. He wasn't worried about today. You got to get this. Your focus is not for today. Amen. There's a calling that God's called you to. Something that, that gets you. Something that you love to do. The second principle of spending talks about contentment versus consumerism. And this word contentment I saw as a dinosaur. Most of us think that contentment is extinct. You don't even hear the word anymore. I remember growing up and hearing contentment all the time. It was preached to me. It was like, a, like one of the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and contentment. I mean, that's what my, my grandma constantly preached contentment. And I was I hate that word, but you don't hear that word anymore because we're focused on what we don't have instead of focusing on what we do have. Contentment is when you're satisfied with what you got and you quit focusing on what you don't have. Right? Consumerism is focusing on what you don't have so that you can get it to impress people that aren't really going to be impressed. Because they're miserable too. Because they put that thing on plastic like you did. Right? Contentment. It's just being okay with where I'm at. I'm already blessed. If God doesn't do anything else for me, I'm blessed. Is that okay? Can you swallow that pill this morning? The pill of contentment? Can you say, you know what? I'm good. You know how you're tested with that? Is when you turn the TV on in two hours. And that commercial comes on. And it's that thing that you love. And Christmas is coming. And you start scheming or scamming on how you're going to get that thing for Christmas. That's when you're really tested if whether or not you're content. It's not after you buy it. You lost contentment already if you already bought it. Right? Contentment went out the window. Luke 12, 15 says, don't always be wishing for what you don't have. For real life and real living are not related to how rich you are. Come on, somebody. It's not related to how rich you are. The happiest people in the world are the poorest people in the world. You don't believe that? Go on a mission trip. See some kid that hadn't eaten all week playing with a rock and a stick and they're giggling their tails off. And your kids are stressing out because their battery's low on their iPod. I get mad when my kids wear my iPad out and don't recharge it. That's what I'm stressing over. So every time I see them with the iPad, I go, did you charge that? You better charge that when you're done with it. I got to preach with the thing by Sunday. <laughs> Poor little kid in Africa is playing with a rock, having a great time. No stress. I'm worried about a battery. What's funny is the most generous people are usually the poorest people. Philippians 4.12 says, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or living in want. Listen to me. The rain comes and the rain goes. Money comes and money goes. Some days you have plenty. Some days you don't have enough. That's just the pattern of life. You don't believe that? Read, read Ecclesiastes. He'll tell you. He'll depress you. Woe is me. I've seen death. I've seen life. Things are going to come and go. You can't base your feelings. You can't base your spiritual condition on what you have or what you don't have. Or what you can get and what you can't get. Most people don't want to go through a financial class because they think it's all about what they can't have. Dave Ramsey says you need to live like nobody else so one day you can live like nobody else. But except enjoy it with some peace and contentment. Come on, somebody. You're already blessed. The third principle is saving. 
And there's something you've got to watch out for in savings. Savings talks about God-dependent versus independent. You see, some people have saved money, and they got a big bank account, and they got big money sitting in the bank, and that money became their God. That money became their security. There is a danger to having too much money. You can lose your faith in God, right? You can lose your trust in God and put your trust in money and put trust in your savings account, right? And so we got to be careful with that. Are you God-dependent or are you independent? Proverbs 18, 11 says this, The wealth of the rich is their fortified city. They imagine it as a wall too high to scale. You remember in 2009 how many people were let down over money? The, the name of this series is In God We Trust. Not in Ben Franklin. Right? Proverbs 30 says this. Give neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. You see, the writer of Proverbs realized that I don't need to have too much, but I don't also need to not have enough. I need to depend on God for my daily bread. So listen to me. If you're getting your daily bread, you need to be rejoicing because you're right where God wants you to be. Come on, somebody, because you're not tempted that you have too much and you don't need God and you're not tempted that you don't have enough and you're not going to go steal it or manipulate somebody to get it and embarrass God. The writer of Proverbs realized that, you know what, I'm good with my daily bread. That was the condition of their heart. Now, if God wants to give you more than your daily bread, then take it. But you've got to know this, that anything above your daily bread is probably going to be one of He's probably going to want to use that to get through you. <laughs> but y'all didn't like that one. <laughs> what, you doing, Pastor? what about my fishing boat, Pastor? Come on, man. I need a new deer rifle. What's wrong with your one? It quit killing deer? <laughs> you see, the thing is that God wants us to trust him. And he wants to walk with us daily. And and he's not trying to hold this over us, but he wants to know that our dependence is on him and him alone. My dependence isn't in MasterCard or American Express or Visa. And I'll be honest with you, there's been times that my dependence was on them. I'll just be real. I've gotten myself into credit card debt. I've gotten myself into a bind with credit cards. I've put my faith and trust in a credit card instead of God. And I've missed out. Yeah, I made a mistake, but the greater, the greater disappointment is that I missed out on seeing God do a miracle. Because when you go to your plastic, instead of going to your God, you, you, you get yourself out of a bind instead of watching the power in the hand of God get you out of a bind. Come on, somebody. Right? I mean, it's, it's like you've you got this thing that always rescues you. Until one day they take everything you have. And then God finally gets to show up. Right? So it's saving. The fourth principle is investing. And that's called stewardship versus ownership. You need to be investing with the person who owns it in mind. You see, I believe too many times we forget that God owns everything. Too many times I believe we forget that everything that we have belongs to God. I got twisted in my thinking one time and I figured that God owned the 10% and I was supposed to give it to him and the rest of it was mine. Lord, did I learn a lesson. God wants to use everything that I have to leverage people into Christ people into the kingdom are you hearing me god wants to use your car i was talking to miss got her a a, a new uh, ford Ex- explorer the other day a couple months back and she started bringing people to church i said and i was just joking i said i said one day i said you keep bringing people to church god's gonna give you a bus <laughs> well little did i know she was gonna wreck her car and god put her in a suburban <laughs> i'm like you keep it up that thing's gonna turn yellow And get bigger. But God wants to use what you have. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He gave it to you for a reason. 
Not to hoard it, but to use it. And all we have to do as believers is just stay open-handed. You know what that means? That means you allow God to put something in your hand, then you allow God to take something out of your hand. You stay open-handed. You keep your finances where they're supposed to be. You don't live strapped. He doesn't want you to live under that pressure and that lack of peace. He wants you to be free, not just free from drugs and free from sex and free from all these other things. He wants you to be financially free. Not just your emotions and your scars and your wounds. He wants you to be financially free. He wants you to enjoy your marriage and not have this beast of finances in the middle of it. Which, by the way, is the biggest reason for divorce. Matthew 6, 19 to 20 says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. How's your heavenly savings account going? How's your savings account in heaven going? Are you storing up treasure in heaven? So golly, Pastor, that's a tough question. You're dead going right, that's a tough question. Because I don't want you to get to heaven one day and look at me all crazy. And say, well, you never told me I need to store up nothing in heaven. Yes, I did. Are you storing up treasures in heaven? How do I do that, Pastor? It's with good works. It's blessing people. Going around and sneaking something on somebody. Something good. Back in the day when you said you was going to sneak somebody, it means you're going to get up behind them and hit them. I'm talking about sneaking a blessing on somebody. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's like, it's, you gotta, but you got to have a little jingle jangle. You got to have a little something in your pocket to go bless somebody with. I heard a story the other day. This, this church in Alabama, uh, they have these cards. And they just give them to people. And, and they say, look, when you go and be generous, just give somebody this card. And the card just simply says, God loves you. God bless you. Something like that. And it has their church name on it. And so this lady was in line at McDonald's in the drive through line. And she looks behind her. She sees a lady digging in her purse. And so she says, how much is that lady's bill behind me? And the girl said, like, six bucks. So she gave her another six bucks. She said, here, would you just do me one favor and give her this card? And so that lady pulled up to the next window, got her food, and then went on about her business. A couple of days later, the church gets a phone call. And the lady that's calling says, hey, I'm looking for a lady in a blue something. And her license plate is this. And, and can, you, can you connect me with her? And they were like, well, <laughs> we don't know who that is. Why do you need them? So, well, they saved my life. I planned that day to commit suicide, and my last meal was going to be McDonald's. But because that lady bought my lunch and gave me a card that said, God loves you, I'm alive today. She know what the church did. The church got up Sunday and said, hey, whoever's got the license plate, blah, 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 you saved somebody's life. Hallelujah. <laughs> right? So you never know what's on the other side of a blessing. I guarantee that lady that paid that little $6 at the McDonald's line, I guarantee she stored up some good change up in heaven. Come on, somebody. I guarantee you her bank account in heaven went up. Why? Because she saved somebody with six bucks. Too many times we get consumed with the big numbers. Saw a kid the other day at, at, at um, Subway. She paid for her lunch with cash. They gave her change. She walked past. My son was with me. It was a valuable lesson. She walked past the garbage can and went, shoo, threw, threw the change in the garbage can. I like to fell on the floor. <laughs> I told my son, I said, boy, you see that? You see that, boy? If I ever get you going, I'm going to tear you up, boy. I said, but you see them people, they don't, they don't have no respect for money, man. He's like, Dad, you want me to go get it? It's like, no, you ain't going to get it. <laughs> ain't going to dig in the trash can. If it's on the floor, we go get it. But, I mean, you know what I'm saying? This has got a line. I just got something with trash. Just, mm. <laughs> now, if it had been a little paper, well, you know, Daddy might have been dumpster diving. <laughs> people say, what you doing digging the trash? I'm looking for some money. But we get consumed with the big things and we feel like we have to do all these big things. And sometimes it's the six dollar things in life that mean the most. That do the most building, do the most saving in somebody's life. 
But you see, you can't be strapped and do that. God wants you to be free to do that. You got to think of yourself as a secret agent. No, I'm serious. You need to you need to put your mind there. I'm a secret agent of God. And I'm called today to go around and sneak a blessing on somebody. And if I get to hear what that blessing did, then praise God. But if I didn't, we're going to tell those stories in eternity. Amen? I bring my kids with me. Come on, I'm brainwashing my kids. It's investing. Investing in heavenly things. We're talking about beyond the numbers, beyond the financial principles, beyond those things. There's something God's called us to go beyond with. And then the principle number five is giving. It's generosity versus misery. Misery comes from the word miser. Anybody knew any misers when you were growing up? Anybody a miser today? You know, I love people that love to save money, but I love their, I hate their attitude. Everybody's got a brother-in-law, right? That's like a money geek. And he's so misered that he makes everybody miserable. You follow what I'm saying? You can't go anywhere with this guy because he's so caught up in the numbers that he thought he was getting free financially, but he only got rechained financially because it's all about the numbers and it's not about anything beyond the numbers. Are you hearing me? So we're talking about giving. Acts chapter 20, verse 35 said, The Lord Jesus himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. It's more blessed to give than to receive. This is a season we start getting, we start giving like crazy. This is Christmas season. And I want to encourage you, don't try to outdo yourself from last year. Don't get caught up in that. That I got to do better than aunt so-and-so. Because I'm the best aunt. You know who you are. Don't get caught up in that. Be generous. But be generous where God wants you to be generous. Amen? The value of my life is not determined by how much I achieve or accumulate. But but by how much of my life I give away. You know, you can do more for people with words, expressions, and deeds than you can with money. The older I get, the more I'm hating gift cards. Seriously. Because people buy you a gift card. Come on, you know why we buy people gift cards? Because we don't know them well enough to know what they really want. I'm, I, how do you know, Pat? Because I'm guilty. It's just easy to go get somebody a gift card, right? But it's hard. It takes time to think about what they might like and something they're interested in. You see how it brings you to be relational. You following what I'm saying? It, it, we, we got a gift card mentality. We, we don't know people, and you can do more without money sometimes. Amen? So God's ways work. Come on, worship team. I'm done. God's ways work. Say that with me. Say, God's ways work. You see, the cool thing about the Bible is that God has already given you financial principles in the Bible to live by. And if you'll live by those principles and if you'll start early, you'll live a life of freedom and a life of peace. And I just want to tell you, if you're under 25 and you've got a job, man, go through Financial Peace University. Start reading your Bible and what it says about money. You want to you live free and stay free? Start dealing with your money now. Amen? I want to be free to give. <laughs> I want to be free to give with a clear conscience. I don't want to finance my giving. I don't want to leverage my giving with a credit card and with being strapped. And I don't want to have to strap myself even more just to give somebody something that I don't really have. Amen? I want you to stand up with me this morning. I know this isn't a 
Maybe to some of you this wasn't a very deep spiritual message. But maybe to some of us, this was a very deep message. Because you see, the whole message about money and the whole reason money's in the Bible more than prayer is because, like I said with communion, God already knew what we were going to struggle with. God already knows what we're going to wrestle with. He already knows what's going to be in front of us. He already knows what's going to tempt us. He already knows what's going to move us and shake us. He already knows what we're going to bow down to. That's why he put it in his book, Financial Principles, in the Bible, to help us live free. Because it was like a warning to say, don't fall into this trap. Just like that verse said that those who search after riches or long to be rich fall into temptation and traps. So listen to me as your pastor, I just want you to be free. I just want you to be free. I want financial peace to live in your house. I want him to be your best friend. I want you to be able to give when you hear God say give and you don't have anything holding you back. You see, I belong to a generous church. But I believe God wants us to go to the next level of generosity. That's the kind of generosity that lives in peace and is free and not strapped. Amen? Let me pray for you this morning. Father, I thank you for today. Thank you for your word. I thank you for these principles. I thank you that, Father, you've given us the ability to earn money. And you bless us in our earning. Lord, thank you that you want us to be good stewards of it. But thank you, Lord, that you see money like a crescent wrench. And you want to use it to do your work. So, Lord, I pray that we begin to see money differently. That it doesn't tell us what to do, but we tell it what to do. And that, Lord, it's just another tool in the tool bag that we get to use to further your kingdom, that we get to use to bring people from spiritual death into spiritual life. So, Lord, help us. Give us wisdom. Surround us with people that are good examples. Not misers, Lord. But, Lord, people that live in financial freedom. And their sole mission for the day is to go around and bless somebody. So, Lord, thank you for that. Thank you for this word. Thank you for this church. I'm glad I belong to this church, Lord. This is a great church. So with every head bowed and every eye closed this morning, maybe you're here today and you say, you know what, Pastor, I've never, I've never heard nothing like that. I've never, I mean, where do I start? First of all, you start in a relationship with Jesus is where you start. Well, Pastor, how do I do that? And it's simple. Simple, you just surrender your life to him and you turn over your rights to his. And you just ask him to come into your life and take control. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you've never given your life to Jesus and you want to do that this morning, would you just quickly lift your hand? Real quick, I just want to see him. Just lift your hand. I see you. I see you. Amen. I see you. Real quick. If you want to surrender today, just surrender. It starts in your relationship with Jesus. I see you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's where it starts. It starts right there today. And if that's you and you raised your hand this morning, I want you just to pray this with me. In fact, all of us can pray this. Lord Jesus, I realize today that my life is nothing without you. I realize today, Lord, that I need you. And so, Father, I surrender my life, my rights, everything that I own to you. Would you come into my life, Jesus? Would you take over? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Can we give the Lord a big hand clap this morning? Come on, church. Give your neighbor a high five. Tell him, man, I enjoyed that. That was good. I needed to hear that.
Let me give you a few announcements before I let you go. Starting today, right now after service, we're starting Next Step. So what is Next Step? Next Step is your next step to becoming a member of the church. It's just a four-week life group that we have right after service. We'll take about an hour or two of your time, and we're just going to walk you through the basics of Christianity. We're going to walk you on, on how we got here and give you some of our history. We just want you to, to be able to make a free decision and a clear decision on whether or not you want to be a part of this church. So it starts today. You can jump in at any time. Today is 101. And so right after service, we'll have next steps. Lunch will be provided for you. Child care is already ready for you. And so if that's you and you want to jump in, you can jump in today, okay? And it'll be for the next four weeks. And then also um, next Sunday, say family fun day. Say baptism. Come on, next Sunday is going to be a great Sunday, so I encourage you not to miss. I encourage you to invite people. We're going to have some chicken on the grill. Can I get a witness? You know, more, more, more of the gospel has been preached over chicken than any other food. That's why it's called gospel bird. But we're going to have fun jumps. We're going to have all kinds of stuff for the kids. We're going to have a, just a big old meal going on. We're going to have a dessert contest. So if you think you got a good dessert, bring it. Come on now. We've, had, we've almost had a few fist. No, I'm joking. No fist fights. But uh, so that's, that's going on next Sunday. So listen to me. Invite anybody you want to invite. Invite your friends. Invite your family. Bring as many people as you want. We're going to have a baptism going on. If you want to sign up for a baptism, you can go to our Facebook page, and you can sign up on our Facebook page. Okay? I think we've already got like six or, six or eight uh, baptisms signed up already. So the tank's going to be here. We're gonna have, it's just going to be great. Last time we did this, we were scheduled for three. We had 16. Come on, somebody. It was awesome. It was a great service. And so I encourage you to do that. Invite as many people as you can. Also, our men's Bible study on Wednesday mornings at Cafe Mosaic. All you men, I encourage you to be there. Don't quit, Travis. Don't quit. They're going to catch you one day. No, I encourage you to be there. Six o'clock, Wednesday mornings. Uh, it's not just me talking. A lot of the guys, we, we just share every every wednesday morning we just have great times we're building relationships we have great things going on and and it's just a good time and so i'll encourage you to do that encourage you to come and be with the men amen, amen. listen if you're a guest and you filled out a connect card i want you to do one thing we have some ushers at the back door the good looking guys just give that connect card to one of those good looking guys and they'll make sure that we get it amen, amen. let me pray a blessing over you then i'll let you go father we thank you for today we thank you for all that you've given us. We love you. We bless you. We praise you. Father, we pray that you would just be with us, go before us, ordain our steps, and direct our path. In the name of Jesus, amen. Give somebody a hug or a high five. Love you.